has been an awesome day for the sports world. There's not going to be much small talk, much little shenanigans in this show, except what I just did right there. Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 99. Special guest is Mason Kimberly, Hall Golf Coach and the co-director of the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship, the same championship that Bailey Lear won for the third time two weeks ago. Three years in a row, Bailey Lear wins three in a row. Congrats for him. We talked to Bailey about it. Why not talk to one of the co-directors and haven't talked to him yet, but hopefully we can get the other co-director, Pat Goy, on here pretty soon as well. Talk about some more golf. But Mason joined us to talk all about the golfing world, drop some knowledge about the Cubs and how the shortened COVID-19 season may help them return to the deep rounds of the playoffs, maybe a World Series. Talk about a lot of awesome stuff with Mason. Today was the first day schools went back in Illinois, I believe. I know around this area I was seeing posts all over my Facebook. Friends, kids, friends, nieces, and nephews. Friends, family members, my intermediate family, my four nieces and nephews are going to stay home and do some e-learning, learn from their mom, which I know she'll be a good teacher for them. That's what they're deciding to do in this turbulent time. But if they wanted to go back to school, today was the day. This was also the first day for actual competition. Insane. Mason Kimberly talks about Hall getting ready for their first meet today. They played today, which is amazing. And when I say today, I mean Monday, August 17th. Also, Princeton Boys Golf defeated Putnam County 157 to 223. So we're actually getting some live scores, some live movements. Man, this is awesome. It feels like nothing changed. Okay, some things may have changed. But Hall today on the golf course, Carter Day 199, which beat Kiwani 211, but in the triangular, lost to Mercer County, who shot a 183. Kimberly also mentioned Rivers Jordan as being one of his go-to guys, one of his starting four that he's looking for big things. And he got the medalist in the triangular today with a 41. And they will get back to the greens Wednesday as they go to Burrow Valley. So it is amazing that high school sports are going on. I just say divided stuff up. But we still got some awesome stuff. We got some cross country going on, golf, swimming, tennis. It'll be fun to cover and get some interviews with players, coaches, anybody involved in those sports. Lots of national stuff I want to jump on right now. St. Louis Cardinals beat the Cubs 3-1, seven inning game one today in a doubleheader. Game two, it's going on right now. They're a mid-fourth. Cards are up 2-1. Come on, Cubbies, get a win here. You need one. You did not do well this weekend. You got to get some wins here. And it is 8:24 as I'm recording this intro. Cards are leading the Cubs 2-1 in game two of a doubleheader. The White Sox are playing right now as well. They are up 3-0 over the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, give the Tigers a loss. If the Cubs and White Sox can keep rolling, building up the dubs, maybe we could see a Chicago versus Chicago World Series. I've talked about that with a few friends and that would be so epic epic upon epic upon epic love to see that while we are still talking about chicago sports the blackhawks prolonged the first round series they have going on with the vegas golden knights blackhawks won sunday yesterday 
3-1 right after they lost Saturday 2-1, lost Thursday 4-3 in overtime, and then of course Tuesday we talked about this last time, lost 4-1. So they're down 3-1, but showed some life on Sunday getting the W, and honestly, Saturday's 2-1 loss or Thursday's 4-3 loss in overtime, I mean they battled, they were there, a goal or two away from winning, that's what we like to see. I am never going to be down on the Blackhawks if they lose in fighting fashion. They get trounced 4-1. You know that's another thing. I'm a Chicago fan. I'm going to talk some smack. Why aren't you playing better? Especially Corey Crawford. I talked mad smack about Corey Crawford on Tuesday after that 4-1 loss. And then he comes back and looks like the best goalie ever. Which, good. Maybe you heard me. Maybe you listened to this podcast and was like, you know what? I'm going to play better. I have to play better. Because if Corey Crawford does not play well... Blackhawks don't have a chance. They do not have a chance of winning another game. He has to play his best. So I'm glad he has been after Tuesday's debacle. NBA playoffs started today, officially started today on Monday, and they've been on since 1230. It has been awesome. That's why I kind of waited to get this show going because I've been watching some playoff awesomeness. Before we break down the playoffs, though, there was a play-in game for the eighth seed in the Western Conference to see who was going to get in. Portland was the 8, Memphis was the 9, Memphis was only a half game back. On Saturday they played a playing game, Portland won 126-122. Damian Lillard, 31 points, 10 assists, CJ McCollum had 29 points, Joseph Nocic, I cannot say his name either, he's another one of those names. It seems like every episode of Edge of URC podcast, there's one of those names that I am not going to pronounce right. Sorry. If I am butchering names, maybe everybody should just be like John Brown, Craig Gray. I can pronounce those perfectly. But no, Chich had 21 rebounds, 22 points, and 6 assists. And Carmelo Anthony pours in 21 points. Just doing it up. I am a closet fan of Portland. My loyalties will always be with the Chicago Bulls. But Portland, especially since Damian Lillard's been there, actually Brandon Roy was there. When Scottie Pippen went there, Rasheed Wallace, Damon Stoudemire, Bonzi Wells was there, Zach Randolph was there. I have been a Closet Portland fan for a while. LaMarcus Aldridge, after we got Tyrus Thomas instead of him in a draft day trade, sort of been a Closet Portland fan for a long time. And Philadelphia with Allen Iverson and a couple other players that I like. Bulls on top and then Portland and Philly, whoever's playing well. If they're going against the Bulls, I will always cheer for the Bulls. John Morant had 35 points and 8 assists for Memphis in that game. That was pretty awesome. Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark shot 4 of 5 from 3-pointers. They each had 20 points. Just some top scores for them. Jonas Valanciunas, 22 points, 17 boards, 6 assists. I am just saying all these numbers because those are crazy. Bubble ball numbers have been spectacular. I was looking at the playing game, I'm like, oh my gosh, these numbers are insane. Between the two teams, that's eight players with over 20 points. Craziness. But today, playoff madness has been very fun to watch. And I've watched every game. Not the whole game of every game, but I've watched every game. I watched the Nuggets and Jazz battle to overtime. Denver ended up taking it 135 to 125. That was an awesome game. Despite losing the first round game one matchup against the Nuggets, Donovan Mitchell scored 57 points for Utah. 
put himself in the record books at his third most in playoff history. Michael Jordan, 63 points. Elgin Baylor, 61 points. And Donovan Mitchell, 57 points for a single playoff game. That's pretty amazing. I'm glad I got to watch that. Donovan Mitchell is special. Nuggets did go on to win. Jamal Murray, also special. 36 points, 9 assists. Nikolai Jocic, 29 points, 10 rebounds. He is a very special player. He is talked about as an MVP candidate every year, at least the last two or three years. And he's right up there. Crazy awesome player. That was a great game to watch. The Jazz dished down the stretch. Couldn't match the Nuggets firing power. Jamal Murray was going to town. Right after that, Toronto Raptors just mugged the Brooklyn Nets. Beat them 134 to 110. At one point, they were up by 33 points. It was just game over from the start. Toronto never even trailed. Fred Van Fleet, Rockford native. Represent Rockford, buddy. Fred Van Fleet, 30 points, 8 of 10 from 3 with 11 assists. That's what I'm talking about, getting the job done. Little guard from Rockford, Illinois, putting us on the mat. I thought the Nets were going to battle Raptors into like a six-game series. No, I can't see it. Not after today's game. Raptors are going to sweep. There's no way. The Nuggets in the Jazz series is going to be awesome. In the third playoff game of the day, the Boston Celtics edged the Philadelphia 76ers 109-101. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown went to work. Jason Tatum, 32 points, 13 rebounds for a double-double. Jalen Brown, 29 points, 6 rebounds, hit 5 threes. They were just doing it up. Kemba Walker, 19 points, 5 assists. He was showing his dribbling abilities in the fourth quarter. Dribbling all around Joel Embiid and, and guards. I know it's not fair for Joel Embiid to say, hey, Kemba Walker was dribbling around you, but Kemba was putting on a show with the ball. Maybe not scoring as much as he'd like, but when you've got other players around you to do so, I mean, do what you do. Ball handle, dish, that's what he was doing. It was awesome. Embiid had 26 for the 76ers. Josh Richardson had 18, hit three three-pointers. And still going on right now, or just started actually, is the Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Clippers. I'm excited for this series too. I think the Clippers are way too deep and got way too much star power, but I think it should be a good series. Hopefully a couple close games. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a couple blowouts, but I love watching Kawhi Leonard, and it's going to be a fun playoff run for the Clippers. Well, I sent Mason Kimberly a text right before I started this intro to see if I could get some photos from him. He sent me some photos and then the captions that he wrote for each one tells me that he broke the Spring Creek golf course's record a couple weeks ago with a 66. Mason Kimberly is no joke as a golfer. Obviously a good coach, been golfing for a very long time, golfed in college, golfed for Princeton High School, and now he's breaking records. That's amazing. Good for him. Well, hopefully you guys are enjoying the sports comeback as much as I am. It will be fun as soon as more things start rolling happening in the area. High school stuff, college stuff, Big Ten is still not, they're not budging. They are not budging. They're like, nope, we're not playing any sports. Even though there is a petition going around from athletes in the Big Ten trying to get sports up and going. We will see what happens there. I feel like it's going to be very, 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 very hard to turn the needle 
with the Big Ten Commission. I, I don't see that happening at all. Even though a petition, you know, make your feelings felt, you have that right, you have that power to, to get people together and speak your voice. But I just don't see it happening. Not with the pandemic, not with the health issues. I just, I just don't see it. I don't see it being profitable or something that they want to do. College athletes playing, chances of getting hurt when no income is coming in or half of the income or a quarter of the income that normally would. Yes, they are going to lose billions of dollars, but if these athletes get hurt or things happen, which is going to happen, it can't not happen on the football field at least. Players get hurt in every sport. Football probably the most prevalent. But there is no reason for them before the college administration to be like, okay, let's have these games, no fans, none of the monster money is coming in, but there's a chance that these players are going to get hurt and we're not really paying them. What is the profitability for them? Why would they do that just for the kids to play? That is really the only thing that they would win. Yes, there would probably be some TV money. People will watch on TV, but the gates, the jerseys, the everything else in college, that is so crazy huge. Huge, 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 huge. Talking about monster money. That wouldn't all be coming in. Too much liability, not enough reassurance, if you ask me. I don't know the complete ins and outs, but just looking into it, that's what I think. But I digress. I'm glad that things are starting to turn around. We are starting to have action. Things are going down. We got scores to report and coaches to talk to about the team that they're practicing with and athletes excited to be back on the practice field and now getting on the greens, getting on the cross country tracks, back in the swimming pool, on the tennis courts, ready to do some action, ready to play some games. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, we will be back Wednesday with episode 100. I guess that's like a milestone, huh? Definitely a milestone. And our special guest will be my former boss, my current friend, almost the bestie. Yeah, I'll call him a bestie. Kevin Klum, sports editor for the News Tribune. I usually say local paper, but since it's him, proper title, I guess I'll throw News Tribune. I am more than, more than glad and happy to have him as my 100th guest. It's going to be amazing. So make sure you catch that on Wednesday. Again, I don't think I said my name. I've been getting really, really bad at that. Thought I was getting good, but then I just noticed I'm bad again. This is your host, Brandon LaChance. Please catch Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Look for us on social media, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook, and Edge of Your CP on Twitter. Want to shoot us a suggestion, questions, anything about anything, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Think that is it. Finally said my name. Got all the plugs in. Until next time. Peace. Today is a big day for a lot of people. Teachers, coaches, students all back in schools or doing e-learning, however they're going about getting their education. My guest today is Hall Golf Coach and the co-director of Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship. Mason Kimberly, how are you, my friend? Good, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm betting that this is an exciting day for you. Don't you have something kind of crazy special coming on today? Well, actually, today is the opening match for our 
2020 fall golf season, and I think this is probably the first time any uh, high school in the area has played done any kind of sporting events since either late winter or really early spring, so it is kind of a big deal right now. Yeah, and if you would have asked most of us a couple weeks ago, oh, maybe a month ago, we would not think that anybody was playing anything right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, even a month ago, the rumor was that all sports, including uh, golf and cross country, were going to be moved to the spring, which I personally would not have been a fan of. I played uh, spring golf at the college level, and as you know, being in the Midwest your entire life, the weather is not necessarily the best for, for golf in the spring in Illinois. I mean, you might have uh, tournaments or matches where it's 48 degrees or a constant 25-mile-per-hour wind or raining on and off. So I am super relieved to be playing golf in the fall. During my 15 years of being a sports reporter, the spring, at least the beginning of the spring season, is the worst. I would rather sit at football games in November, late October, than to be at a baseball game in the spring. It is cold. I'm going to be interested to see how uh, football goes in the spring. Not a lot of high schools in our area have artificial turf fields, so I imagine they uh, it might get a bit sloppy out there. I bet. So let's talk about the Hall Red Devil golf team. Who are some golfers that you have that we should be looking forward to seeing on the golf course? I actually don't have any seniors this year, so this is uh, definitely a building year for us, but that doesn't mean we can't have a, uh, a good successful season. I have four solid golfers who are returning from varsity last year. Those four golfers are definitely going to keep us in some matches. Hoping to add some depth uh, as the season goes on. I have a couple transfer athletes from different sports. For example, one football player who's playing golf this year because he uh, he's not playing until the spring. So uh, he's a really good athlete, but his golf game is kind of raw right now. But in a, in a few weeks, I think he's going to be a solid contributor. But my top four right now, I have two juniors, uh, Nick Arati, Rivers Jordan, and then a couple of sophomores with Grant Plim and Josh Scary, and I am uh, uh, looking for some solid seasons out of those four. I think you cut out for just a second. Did you say Grant Plim? Yes, Grant Plim. All right, and then who is the football player who you're looking forward to seeing him develop? Uh, his name is Caleb Savage. Uh, he was a defensive back on the football team. He's a junior this year. I think he actually got a little bit of playing time on the varsity football team as a sophomore. Really good athlete. One of the big reasons he's actually playing golf is because he actually dates St. Bede's number one female golfer, uh, Alejandra Mendoza, who is a tremendous golfer, probably going to be playing uh, at the next level after high school. So I'm hoping that she can teach him a thing or two on the golf course. I think he's going to be a quick learner and going to be a solid golfer. And I'm, uh, not to get greedy as a golf coach, it would be awesome to have him uh, for a senior year too and not be a, a one and done, but he definitely has a lot of potential. You know, we always talk about you know having senior-laden teams and how important experience is. Can it be a pro to also not have seniors sometimes? Maybe, you know, there's nobody looking over them and, you know, they're free to play how they want to play. Well, yeah, that's true. 
right now I don't have an official team captain, so it definitely gives the opportunity for those younger guys to uh, kind of step into a leadership role. And it makes us a lot more comfortable knowing that next year we are going to have everyone back and we could have a really, really solid team in 2021. Again, with those top four players that I mentioned uh, developing, if I can get Caleb back for another year, I have a kid in my program who's going into eighth grade right now who's already consistently low 40s. And, you know, give him another year to develop. He's going to make an immediate impact as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, this is my fifth year coaching Hall. I hate to admit that I have not had a winning record so far, but things are definitely looking bright for the future. With IHSA splitting the seasons into four instead of three, you know, adding summer and then also having the fall, spring, winter seasons, mm-hmm. more athletes are, I guess, able to do four sports instead of three sports. How do you see that I, I, working with the golf team? Well, I never really thought about that. I don't have a whole lot of athletes on my golf team who are multi-sport athletes. I got a couple of basketball players, um, a couple of baseball players, uh, a couple of kids on the golf team are golf is their only sport. So I, I got a good mix. I don't know if uh, if any of them are looking forward to possibly doing uh, four sports. I, I guess uh, Caleb Savage would potentially be one of those kids just because he's a really good, well-rounded athlete. I mean, if I were in high school, I know doing four different sports would be just very physically and mentally draining. It wouldn't be a bad idea to have at least uh, one season off to really uh, focus on the schoolwork and uh, just recovering. Yeah, that makes sense, too. You'll probably see some four-sport athletes in the area who who could potentially excel at at four-sport. It'll be interesting to see how that develops because we've uh, never had that opportunity in the past. I bet there'll be some seniors that try it just to say that they tried it. Say like, hey, we were able to do this, so I did it. I think there'll be a couple. Yeah, wouldn't shock me. Also with golf, as I said in the intro, you were also a co-director of the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship, and you had this year's event two weeks ago. How did it go for you guys? Well, it was our biggest and best tournament to date, which is uh, especially great because of everything going on with COVID. We weren't sure going in what to expect. For uh, Patrick Goy and I, this is our fifth year running the tournament, and this is by far our most successful one to date. We had 164 entrants this year, um, which is up from 138 the previous year. I mean, we're getting to the point, I mean, we, we almost can't take more golfers. I mean, 164 for one tournament, I mean, we are absolutely uh, packed for tee times. We started our tee times all the way at 7.30 in the morning, and it goes to about 2.30 in the afternoon. Patrick and I are at the course from sunup till sundown each day. It, it's tough, but, I mean, we uh, like to uh, give that opportunity to all the players. This tournament was meant for the uh, all the avid golfers in the area. This isn't one of those uh, outings where you see a bunch of golfers who only play three or four times a year. This tournament is for the most avid players in our area. Your winner this year and the winner for the last three years, Bailey Lear, definitely an avid golfer. His game gets more impressive every year. Obviously, it shows 3-0 and at the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship. He is a tremendous golfer. He's only 25 years old, so he's not even at his prime yet, which is crazy to think about. I've asked him in the past if he's ever thought about you know, maybe going down south and uh, spending half a season playing like uh, some kind of mini tour and uh, trying to work his way up. 
I mean, he's he's definitely got the game. People see him hit the golf ball, and I mean, he hits his five wood further than I do my driver. Even at a longer course like Oak Ridge, um, he's getting close to driving some of those par fours, which are, uh, can, I mean, that can be over 350 yards on some of those holes. But not only does he bomb the ball, he also has a very good short game. I remember playing with him last year in the final group uh, when he won his second championship, and he was 7-for-7 that tournament in bunker saves, getting up and down from the bunker, which is extremely tough to do. You don't even see that on the PGA Tour sometimes. And those are the best bunker players in the world. And Bailey can just do it all, and that's why he's going to be so tough to beat going forward. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he won even more than three in a row. I don't think that's ever been done before. It's not going to be easy for Bailey because there's so much talent in the area. But, I mean, for the next, as long as he's in the area, for the next few years, he's going to be the guy with the target on his back for sure. Bailey is a friend of Edge of URC podcast. He was on here and he said that this year's championship was probably the toughest in terms of how many golfers were three or four strokes behind the lead that he said it was a very, very close field and he sees it getting more competitive. Well, yeah, his uh, his first two victories, he actually, uh, he, he kind of pulled away from the field the second day. This year, I don't think he even took the outright lead until there were like maybe five holes to go, and it's a 36-hole tournament. It was a really crowded leaderboard this year, and it made some for a very exciting drama. Bailey, he started playing his best golf on the on the back nine on Sunday, which is when you want to play your best, and he, uh, you know, he, he's just clutch. There's uh, nothing more to say, really. Who were some of the other golfers that were challenging Bailey for this year's championship? Well, there were a couple uh, young golfers from Putnam County who were right there in the mix. Uh, Ian Roach was in the lead after the first day. He's only 18 years old, but his uh, mechanics are just so solid. He may have gotten a little rattled being the final group and having a bunch of spectators there, but I mean, he kept kept it together. Was in the mix most of the day. Ended up finishing third place. His uh, former teammate from Putnam County, Caleb Dzierzynski, he started the day like five strokes back. He got off to a really hot start, was tied for the lead with just a few holes to go, but then uh, he made a couple bogeys down the stretch. Bailey made a couple birdies down the stretch, and I think Caleb finished tied for fourth. Awesome. That Putnam County golf program has been putting out a lot of good golfers lately. Well, yeah, lately. I think uh, this year they're probably going to have a little bit of a down year but i'm sure uh, you know edgewood park has a good junior program and they'll probably uh redevelop i think pretty much just about every player on that putnam county state team was in the tournament this weekend too i mean they're still playing a lot of golf even after their high school years and they're all solid players you can definitely see uh why they got to state a couple years ago back-to-back years i believe actually yeah it was back-to-back years and it was yeah Ian. as a team mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was Ian, Caleb, and I know you know the other two. The second year was Ian, Caleb, Ben Sear, and Austin Flipson. They had four really solid golfers, and it was kind of a, those four guys carrying the team the entire year. The year before, they were actually a little bit deeper. They had a, It was those four golfers, plus Mitch Imany and Connor Bean. When you're number six varsity player, 
can go out and shoot a 38 or 39 any day. I mean, you're beat just about any team in the entire state for Class A. It's not like I coach that team, so. but I mean, the, as a coach at Hall, I am around a lot of those kids that they do my, I, I run a summer league for high school golfers during the summer. There's usually about uh, 35 or so kids and we play uh, um, all the different courses in the area and pretty much all the, all the better high school players in the area know who I am and I, I try to get them not just in the high school league, but they all, those high school kids also play in the men's tournament that I direct as well. As long as you're 16 years old, you can play in it. I know it's a men's tournament, but you also have usually about a dozen of the best high school golfers in the area. This year, again, you had Ian Roach finishing third place overall. He just graduated from Putnam County. The kid who got third place in A class, uh, his name is uh, Jacob McGanna from Streeter. He fired, I think, a pair of 77s or 78s. That was his first time playing in the men's tournament. And he, I mean, that's a really solid showing. Look for him in years to come. And Nathan Potoff from St. Bede, he fired a 75 the second day of the men's tournament. So I know it's a men's tournament, but you see all these young guns coming up. It's, this is usually their uh, first experience playing in a uh, men's event, but they show up to play. I mean, those young guys can compete with the players with more experience, for sure. You mentioned it earlier, you know, you played with Bailey Lear in the final grouping last year. You play yeah. every year. You know, being a co-director and golfing in it, that's got to be kind of crazy. Are you able to put up the scores that you would like to, even though you're well, worrying I, about running it? Patrick and I, we both play in the, in the event every year. We make it work because we have amazing volunteers. I think between the two days this year, we probably had at least 30 volunteers between the two days helping with scorekeeping and botting and registration and everything. So our volunteers are great. This year in the tournament, I shot 73-75, which was, I think that was good for seventh place. I mean, it's not a bad showing. It's tough for me as, you know, the person who's co-directing the tournament to think about the round of golf that I'm going to play more than, you know, how smoothly the tournament is running because that's obviously my primary focus. I want to run a good event. Winning it would be a bonus, and I, I have come close. I've had several top five finishes. I had a runner-up, but like I said, winning it would just be a bonus. I joke with a lot of people going in, and it, it's like a four-stroke handicap for me um, just because I'm, I'm only on like two and a half or three hours of sleep the night before. I'm, I'm at the course at 5.30 in the morning and hanging around and, and working and doing tournament stuff until I tee off at like two in the afternoon. But by the time I start playing golf, I'm just mentally drained. But for as much as I work on my game over the summer, I, I'm able to uh, stay focused. But it, it is tough. I'd, I'd love to win it one of these years, but it may not happen until after I uh, pass the torch to someone else. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. I actually, I love running this tournament. And, you know, there's other tournaments I can play in that, that I can uh, compete in. It, it really is an honor and a privilege to be able to run an event with so much history as with the uh, Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship. It's been going on since 1949. I love talking to some of the uh, older veterans in the field, like uh, Fred Steele and Jim Muskelewitz and Tom Bauer, guys who have won the tournament, you know, on multiple occasions, and they can tell you some great stories about some of the past players and past tournaments. It's uh, 
you know, as, as much as I love running the tournament, I also I love the historical aspects aspect about it as well. Definitely. It is a very storied tournament championship, that's for sure. Lots of golfers in the area. If you know a name, they've been in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you got to get going pretty soon, so I'll we'll leave golf, go to a different area real quick. I know you're a Chicago Cubs fan. Besides this weekend, I mean, they've been playing pretty well. What are your thoughts about them this season, this shortened season because of COVID-19? I think more veteran team like the Cubs, which is weird to say, by the way, thinking of the Cubs as a veteran team, but they've had the same core together for five or six years, so I guess that makes them kind of a veteran team, even though they're still relatively young when you look at Baez and Contreras and Bryant, they're still in their uh, mid-late 20s, but I think with a little bit of an older starting rotation, having a 60-game season benefits a team like the Cubs. I I don't think it's any accident that they had a a five-and-a-half game lead in the uh, division. I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that they finish the season and that teams like the Marlins and Cardinals don't ruin it for everyone else. You know, if you look at the NBA and the NHL and uh, how they're doing everything in a bubble and you just have to ask yourself, you know, why didn't the MLB do the same thing with baseball? I mean, it just, the uh, NHL and NBA is extremely successful right now with how they're running things and you think with baseball, it maybe not the smartest idea to have teams travel all over the place. Well, Mason, I want to thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to do it again sometime. Uh, we will make that happen. Awesome. You have a good week, Brandon.